Thank you for listening to the Bully Pew Podcast brought to you by Protestia.com and the team of troublemakers over at Protestia doing the largely invisible and thankless work of polemics and discernment ministry. I am your host, David Morrill, and today we are talking about how to approach your pastor if you have an issue with something going on at your church, something that he has preached from the pulpit, and that issue is somewhere in between rank heresy, you know, Trinitarian denial or something like that, and the color of the carpets or the stained glass windows or that kind of a thing. Um, there are a lot of issues that are in in between that where you may, um, because discernment is an important thing to be done by all Christians, you may run across something that you hear, something you see, something you um, uh, are privy to at church that uh, you have a problem with, and there is definitely a right way and a wrong way to approach that with with pastors. Um, we're not going to be talking at all. You, well, they're let's say there's going to be some qualifications. If your pastor is a female, um, don't bother. Just leave, please. That's not an actual church um, to the point where if they, if they don't respect the, the plain meaning of scripture at all, I don't know what you think you're, you're, you're going to do. Um, same thing. If your pastor is a, uh, a, a rank heretic, if they're preaching something that is um, very specifically and obviously opposed to Orthodox biblical doctrine, orthodox Christian understanding of things, it's the same thing. I mean, I, I suppose if it just comes out of the blue, if your pastor is, is, has always been solid and all of a sudden they're now an anti-Trinitarian heretic or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're preaching um, uh, something that goes against the core essence of what we believe, yeah, you might have to, you might have to bring that up. That's not common. It's much more common that you're, I, either you have a false teacher in the pastorate who has a lot of evidence of not being faithful to the word and you shouldn't be at that church anyway or I should say quote unquote church you can't see me doing air quotes right now but the quote unquote church that you're at you shouldn't be there anyway Uh, or uh, it is, is someone who is largely orthodox and faithful and they've you know they made a mistake or maybe they've endorsed something that they shouldn't have endorsed or uh, you know perhaps they they um, you know are, are bringing something into the church that doesn't belong there but it's not it's not being done out of malice it's just error and where that error uh, traverses into sin um, it is sinful to preach or teach something that isn't true it is sinful to uh, offer endorsements or or partner with ministries that have uh, you know real serious doctrinal issues or so even associational things per se, you know, that it, it, that can be sinful as well, but this is not a sin of the high order. Like, Hey, we need to, you know, this needs to be trumpeted from the rooftops. I need to run to social media and tell everybody about this. There are things that don't, don't rise to that level and that doesn't make them unimportant. So how do we as believers, um, sharpen one another? How do we as believers correct one another and hold each other accountable um, especially in the modern church context where so many believers see the pastor as sort of the, the king of the church or, or the, the, the one who's in charge, the one that, uh, you know, um, is always supposed to get things right or, or, or whatnot. Um, and at the same time, so many churches and pastors see, see the, uh, 
um, the sort of public relations side of this is increasingly important. It, it, it matters highly to these, to these men what the world thinks about them, how their church is perceived, even how their church fits within the the marketplace of other churches in the area like you know if you're if you're in a in a large uh, urban or suburban area there may be quite a few churches um, that are doctrinally similar you know prof- their professing beliefs are very similar to one another um, and it's not lost on these men unfortunately I wish it wasn't this way but it's not lost on these men that these churches um, very often their growth or lack thereof is more a result of people leaving similar churches nearby and coming to their church or leaving their church and going to other similar churches nearby this is just a reality and it's it's unfortunate that that enters into the conversation and yet it does and so you find things you'll find things at your church um, very often that are they're they're not necessarily overt heresy they're not overt false teaching and at the same time they're not inconsequential you know it's not it's not like uh you came one sunday morning and find hey they they changed the they, they painted the the sanctuary a color i didn't like or they stopped calling it a sanctuary and started calling it a worship center or hey the 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 music seems louder today than it did last Sunday. Those kind of things were, you know, those things can be evidence of, of something different. Um, but on the face, just, just taking them, uh, one issue at a time, they're not necessarily, um, something that even necessarily has to be addressed. Um, but, but a good example of something that, that routinely, unfortunately needs to be addressed with a lot of churches and pastors are, um, extra biblical materials brought into the church um, that are have uh, troublesome associations or troublesome um, indicators, troublesome um, troublesome teachings and things like that uh, that are part of whatever organization provided that extra biblical material. So whether this is you know a Hillsong song, uh, elevation worship, Bethel worship, something like this, it's brought in brought into your church and used uncritically, and you know very well that Hillsong Church and Bethel. And Elevation Church all teach uh, very, pretty, some pretty serious false doctrines, uh, and and the concern is that you bring that stuff into your church uncritically, and your congregation, who you know, who is at a varied level, or you know, everybody's at a different level of spiritual maturity, um, may not understand what that is, and un- uncritically trust those churches or those movements and the materials they provide, and be exposed to false doctrine and false ideas uh, and things like this, and you don't even know about it. You know, the pastors don't even know about it, the church doesn't even know about it, and all of a sudden you're wondering, why do the people in my congregation uh, believe this kind of stuff? Why do the p- people in my congregation um, believe that uh, that worship is all about their own experience, and they're not particularly concerned that we're worshiping the right Jesus and whatnot. This this becomes an issue, um, and, and I, I would argue maybe the majority of things that we that we need to approach pastors with because there's just there's so much out there and they can't be fully apprised of all of it. Another example of the kind of thing that um, may need to be brought up um, or um, exposed. Expose is maybe not even the right word because we're going to start um, by talking to our pastors privately, you know, again, unless this is some major calamitous thing, and it usually isn't. 
um, and yet still something that needs to be corrected. Another thing that needs to be brought up from time to time is uh, potentially uh, not seeing the full context of, of, a, of a teaching or a new idea. Novelty is, is such a major part of modern evangelicalism that it is very common for churches and pastors and, and, and professing Christians to jump on to the latest thing, especially if that, if that thing, that Christian thing, gets the attention of the world. If the world is talking about it, expect a lot of pastors and churches to try to, in some way, um, uh, attach themselves to it, right? They want to they, they jump on the bandwagon as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, we can see this with things like The Chosen, you know, the, the, this, this TV series that's coming from Dallas Jenkins and his Mormon friends. Um, you know, that kind of thing. That if, if it's getting the attention of the culture and the, the, the culture doesn't seem like, like, like they hate it, they, they seem like they're kind of into it a little bit, there's a lot of churches that will try to jump onto that. But, of course, they often do it uncritically and there are ideas and, and false doctrines and things being smuggled in. So, you know, just as uh, that's another example. Um, but something that you need to understand that we need to understand about pastors and how theological education and training and things like that work these days, it used to be, it wasn't that long ago when um, you, somebody would go to seminary, you know, a young man would go to seminary to train for the ministry, to train to go into vocational ministry, and classes were uh, very much focused on um, on doctrine and and on um, methodology to an extent, but 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 from a doctrinal perspective, we're going to learn we're going to we're going to learn about Hebrew and Greek, and we're going to learn about um, um, hermeneutics, how to read, you know, how to how how to uh, interpret scripture. The, these kind of things were the focus. And I'm not saying that seminary degrees don't don't have those classes. They certainly do. But now there's a there's a new emphasis, and it's it's relatively new, but it's it's been you know decades now that this has been part of the part of the curriculum. But there is there's a lot of emphasis on leadership and um, sort of personal development and team building and and all of these you know all of these things that have sort of been grafted on to the church from the culture around around it. Um, it's now it's it's not ironic anymore for I mean pastors will unapologetically talk about casting vision um, they'll talk yeah it's my job to cast a vision for this church it's like no it isn't that's Jesus's job and he already cast the vision your job is to execute the vision but but instead they, they, they they've sort of changed that meaning a little bit or, or they've they they act like hey there's okay there's the great commission and there's the church ministry that we can see prescribed in scripture, uh, but there's there's different flavors of that for different groups of people and the idea being that hey it's their job to um, modify or adjust or or whatnot you know re, recast or reskin or whatever the the great commission. The, the faith once and for all delivered to the saints, it's their job to recast it in the image of the culture around it in order to reach that culture. And this, I mean, this is, this is common. It's, it's so common that I, I would argue every, every pastor that is around my age, every pa- I mean, I haven't lived in an evangelicalism. I haven't, I haven't lived in a church uh, age where this hasn't been, if not the primary focus of, uh, training for ministry, especially in the church, uh, it's at least a major component of that. 
and this is probably at least partially because we're Americans and America is very market driven and materialistic and and sort of self-focused in terms of our consumer culture uh, it was only a matter of time before we did the same thing to the church but it, it has been so long and so ingrained in the evangelical uh, movement that we don't even see it for what it is anymore so you're going to run across some stuff that, that perhaps your church does or your pastor says or whatever that's, that's like I can't talk them out of this at this point. You know, your pastor may say something to you like, well, you know, it's we're, we're making the decisions that we're making um, in response to loving the world around us. And what they're really saying is um, we're, we're concerned what the world thinks about us. Uh, loving them is giving them what they want. But they won't say that specifically. <laughs> that'll, just, that'll just be evident to what's going on and what they're doing. Um, and and they are trained and taught to uh, wrap up everything in a sort of a Great Commission veneer rather than seeing the church first and foremost as a place where people go to uh, bow down and worship God and, uh, you know, corporately worship Him and, and, and you know, preach the Word and um, mature disciples... And, you know, the, the, the Christian ministry, per se, everything is because evangelism is such an important part of, of what we do as believers and spreading the gospel and, and the good news, uh, we blur those lines. And now all of a sudden, the things that we should be uh, sticklers about as far as the prescription for, for church gathering and worship and all of these kind of things, uh, we, we open up to the innovations of market-driven um, evangelism. And we we very easily excuse it by saying, "Well, this is this we're, we're loving our neighbors, or uh, we're we're doing this to reach the lost." Um, under the guise of the lost will come to Jesus if they like us, the lost will come to Jesus if we realize that we care about them. Um, biblically speaking, this isn't how it happens. Like the world will, you know, the world will know us by how we love one another. That's for sure. But the, that doesn't mean they'll like us. That doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that they'll be um, that, that they'll come to Jesus because they realize that we're harmless and we have you know we're, that we're not we're not going to challenge them we're just going to love them you know you, you know what I'm talking about um, if you've listened to the to you know, red protested for any amount of time or you've listened to polemics report protested tonight for any amount of time you know what we're talking about but the question is okay how do I when, when, when I come across something how do I approach my pastor I think he's he's, he's a he's a faithful minister. Um, he is, he's, uh, preaching from the word of God. It's important to him that, um, that he bring the me, that, that he is the conduit for the meaning of the text and the meaning of the word to get to the congregation. He's not inventing it. He's not, he's not merely a storyteller. Um, and yet he's, he's made a mistake here or he didn't know about this or he's quoted such and such author that has, you know, might have seemed solid 15 years ago and now is, is very clearly not, and he just doesn't know. Okay, how do I approach him with this kind of thing? And the first thing, I mean, you know, we're, we're, first of all, you're, you're going to be acting under the general principles, the general equity of Matthew 18, of the, the church discipline process, which is a process uh, designed to love one another. I know it seems like a critical process or like, oh, now you're in trouble. Here comes the church discipline. But it's actually a process to love one another. Um, it's something that we're instructed to do um, out of love for the brethren. And so 
under that under that general principle, the first the the first thing that you need to do is make sure that you're you're talking talking to the man in private first. Bring it to him in private. I know he's you know you you, you might say hey he's preached this out in the open or this is yeah this is this is a public problem. He's a public answer and, and certainly Protestia uh, does that depending on the circumstances. But you're, you're talking about a local pastor of your church. Uh, a, a co-laborer with you who has been put into a position of spiritual authority within your local congregation that you have um, committed to sojourning with um, and if it's not some sort of a major you know uh, already public dispute that's 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 already out in the open you know bring it to the guy privately and and you know and make sure that he understands as much as you possibly can I know that we don't control one another's emotions and there's there's only so much you can do to govern the uh, reaction, emotional reaction, um, or whatnot of somebody that you're, that you're bringing a truth to that may they may not um, necessarily want to hear, or may not know about, or may be embarrassed by. But the, to the best of your ability, try to make sure that he understands um, that that this is not a a criticism of his competence. It's not a criticism of his um, his discernment. Um, and it's not a criticism of, of uh, his heart uh, for ministry or his desire it, because it's, it's not. It's just pointing out, it, th- hey, this, did, did you know about this? You know, did, did, did you know? You know, and I and I've said, and maybe this is this is a little bit of a special situation because uh, the pastors of my church know what what I do in terms of parachurch ministry. They they know that I podcast. They know I write articles. They know that um, they know the reputation uh, that this ministry tends to have among the the uh, professional pastorate class, if you want to call it that. They know that, and so I've made it very clear to them. Um, over and over, look, any any criticism that I have or anything that I see that I'm concerned about, um, you will hear it f- from me personally, privately. I will not be, you know, talking to any, you know, my wife, I'll, I talk about everything with her. You know, we're one flesh. Sorry, that's, you know, I, it's not gossip to talk to your spouse about things. <laughs> um, but it'll stay between she and I, and then I'll bring it to you, but just, just one-on-one with the idea that, Hey, this is, this is because a, because I appreciate the work you're doing. And I, I see it as a small, but necessary component of my ministry to, you know, in all of our ministries, that if we see something wrong, um, to bring it to one another. Um, and your, your, our love as the brethren is more important than our feelings Yet, I'm not saying your feelings are unimportant. That's why we're talking privately. But I, I've seen this. This this is an issue. I've seen this. Or, or the, hey, I was concerned about this coming from the sermon. Or, or I'm concerned about the church doing this. And then ask for clarification. So the process isn't necessarily. Hey, I've seen I've seen this or heard this from the pulpit. Or the church is doing this and it's wrong. And 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 you need to fix it. And you know I I you know. I just want you to know that I've seen it or whatever. But the process can be, I've seen this, um, you know, heard this from the pulpit. Can you clarify it for me? I'm, I'm not sure that I've, that I, that I heard you right. It seemed like you said X and I believe that the Bible says Y. And I mean, can you, can you help me, you know, is, is it, is this the case or, um, did I mishear it or is there further context that might help me understand, um, maybe your position on this or what the church 
you know, what the church has committed to believing on this, um, it can be a clarification kind of a thing. You know, that, that that's that's a good way to approach it if it if you if you feel like you've heard a, a doctrine um, or a teaching, a biblical teaching, not cor- you know not be correct from the pulpit. That's a different uh, kind of it's it's a different situation than uh, hey we brought this this uh, this song in or you recommended this author or this book or something and um, because as, as you might imagine I've I've had both of these situations uh, happen at my church and the the process of saying a you know hearing something from a sermon that you didn't uh, think was correct is a little different than um, an endorsement or a, a, you know extra biblical material and those those tend to be the two main categories again we're dealing with an orthodox church here an orthodox pastor who is largely solid we're not talking about you know we're not talking about Michael Todd or Rick Warren or some nonsense we're talking about an, a, a, a decent pastor somebody somebody who is serious and sober minded and um humble and a, and a true servant leader uh, and yet these are still men they're still sinners you know they still err they still miss things and so uh, we serve them as well by by you know to an extent watching their back and and you know ministering to them as well we want to do that and yet at the same time respect the office respect what God has put in place um, still fall under spiritual authority as we've committed to doing um, and but but inevitably there's going to be a time where where your your pastor says uh, you know Timothy Keller said blah 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 and you think to yourself um, does he know does he know that Tim Keller has gone off the cultural Marxist rails a long time ago and that it's he, we sh- we shouldn't be endorsing uh, Tim Keller he, he may not know that you know the, these guys. They're not necessarily as in tune with the the uh, larger evangelical conversation when they're focused on local church ministry. Now, I would argue that that needs to be for for any pastor pastoring a church in 2023. That needs to be part of the mix for them because you you know that your your flock, your your congregation, your church members, they're they're getting um, Christiany sounding stuff from all over the place, and some of it's good and a lot of it is terrible. And if you're not decently apprised of what's going on, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be capable of protecting the flock. You're not going to be capable of being an under shepherd in the information age if you aren't, um, at least to an extent, have your finger on the pulse. That's why I recommend you read Protestia. We'll we'll help you with that. <laughs> that's 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 the point. One of the points of the ministry is to keep folks apprised of what's going on out there. So when your when your congregation member, when your church member is like, "Hey, pastor, I I I I'm reading this this awesome book called The Purpose Driven Life and it's really blah 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 blah." You have a good answer for this. Your answer is, "Oh, okay, I guess. It says Jesus, right? Okay, we're good." And I realize that's a not a great example since everybody knows what that is, but you get my point. If you're if pastors are not apprised of what's going on out in the broader conversation, um, they're going to be they're going to be taken off guard. They're going to wind up endorsing things they shouldn't endorse. Wind up not being able to um, correct and rebuke false teaching because they don't even know the false teaching is there. Um, but inevitably, everybody's only got 24 hours in the day, and inevitably there are going to be things that are out there that they don't know about, and their congregation might know about, that are dangerous um, or potentially developments 
that they don't know about, and so they think that what they're, the, the person that they're quoting or something is solid, and they're not. Um, they're actually troublesome, and they teach they, they teach bad things. And if the pastor knew that, they would never quote them. In fact, they they would they would be embarrassed to quote them. And so that's why you have to bring those those kind of concerns to pastors, you know, pretty carefully because um, modern evangelicalism is is still it's focused on personality, it's focused on competence, and that's not the way that it should be. I mean, competence, yes, because there are biblical uh, requirements involving competence for elders. Should be, he, should, he should be able to teach, for instance. Those kind of things are their um, uh, requirements of the office. Um, but the, the personality-driven, um, charismatic, frontman kind of Christianity that we, that we see nowadays is, I mean, all pastors are aware of it. They're all concerned about it, and and while we might say, "Hey, you shouldn't be," and I think that's true, because it's God that gives the growth within a church; it's not us. Uh, they're human beings, and they still respond to to um, to to pressure like that. And they what what they what they don't want to hear is, "Hey, you you quoted uh, you know you quoted Brent Leatherwood of the ERLC, and you didn't even know that that organization is super woke and." troublesome and all these kind of things so you're incompetent that's not the right approach especially if you love this man and and, and and you are committed to being part of that church you, we don't approach it that way it needs to be approached as hey I, I you know were you aware of this were you know and and maybe even that might be not the right way to do it depending on the context but in, you know whatever you can do to make sure that he understands um, I'm bringing this to you because I love I love you and I love this church and this congregation um, and again reassure him that you know um, that that uh, uh, things are going to be brought in, brought to him behind closed doors at first and depending on the response you know the rest of Matthew 18 is still on the table um, but hopefully you know the spirit will minister him to him in a way that, that, that humbles him and says okay you know you're right about that you're right. Yeah, I didn't even know. I mean, I, you know, I was busy doing other things. I, I wasn't sure. You know, would you be willing to send me more information about this? That should be the that should be the, the response from a from um, from a solid pastor. I think it would be a red flag if, if you do everything you can do to make sure that 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 you tell them that this is for uh, concern and love for the bride. Um, if you do all those things and his response is antagonistic, that should be a red flag because it's that should never be the response of any of any Christian, uh, pastor or not. Um, the other part of this, and I, I probably should have talked about this at the beginning, but the other part of, of bringing a concern to him is doing uh, what Al Mohler famously called theologic triage, and that's that's that basically is uh, the the process of determining um, how serious the issue is. Are we talking first-tier doctrine? Because, again, that's, that's a, I, I think, a different approach. And probably you're not going to run across a first-tier doctrine issue at a church that's, that's anywhere near solid. But, you know, it, I suppose it could happen. You have your second-tier issues and things like that that, uh, um, you know, thing, like I would argue the mode of baptism is, is a second-tier doctrine. It's not something that keeps somebody out of the kingdom, but at the same time it's not something where um, we should really be forming churches uh, together with folks that believe differently about that than us, um, and then you're going to have some third tier things like you know, hey, you, why, you know, you used 
you used a, a worldly language here, a worldly framework uh, that didn't really uh, get across the truth of this uh, this passage. Um, you know, did and and sometimes those third tier doctrines are evidences of, of corruption among first tier doctrines. You know, like 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 I would argue, for instance, that the second tier doctrine of um, women pastors is tangentially related to first tier doctrines because it demonstrates that you that you uh, don't believe in the inerrancy of the word. You can't take the plain meaning of a text and throw it out the window or twist it around to say what you want um, without opening the door to all sorts of other terrible things theologically. Um, so that that needs to be part of the process as well. Is this a a you know a, a concerning thing? that could bring uh, harm to the church, like endorsing a false teacher, un, you know, knowingly or unknowingly? Or is this, is this uh, you know, I, I really don't like the new color of the carpet in here. You know, why do we have to change the doorknobs or, to that color? I mean, whatever, right? Those are dumb things. Um, it's it barely, you know, not worth bringing up in the same context um, as these other things. But the, I, I would say that the, the biggest rule, A, start privately, always, um, and, and, and really triage the, the issue and find, is this a major problem or not? And I know that that's subjective, saying whether it's major or not. But always start it privately and, and approach it in terms of, hey, I'm, I'm trying to clarify here. As, as, a, as a member of the church and someone that, that really cares about you and, and, and the rest of the church and um, wants to, you know, be obedient to the Lord and encourage others to do the same, um, can, you, can, you, can you clarify what, our, what, what your position is on this? What's my position on this? Um, I mean, I've had conversations with pastors, uh, friends of mine, where I basically had to say, look, I don't think that our, I don't think that our theology is the same here, it seems. From what I'm seeing, our theology is different. Uh, can we figure that out, uh, or can you explain more thoroughly? Um, you know, I've seen I've seen you teach this, or I've seen you preach this, or I've seen us bring this song in, or I've seen this this extra biblical material be used over here. It's concerning to me because of this. Do you do you disagree with me? Do you feel that way as well? Do you, do you believe that? Um, what you know? What what do you think the role is of the sermon? What do you think the role is of the? You know, I, I want to know more about what you believe about this, or I want to know more about what the church. You know, what, what the church's position on these things is. You know, because any pastor, any church that is not willing to say, "Hey, here's here's what we practice," because of, because here's what we believe, um, that's really concerning. A lot of churches out there, so many churches now, they want to leave kind of the practice wide open. So I mean they'll have a they'll have a website orthodox statement, you know sometimes very basic you know very like you know um, very apostles creed kind of you know but with no no indication of a more specific theology or practice so they leave themselves room they leave themselves room to kind of change things whenever they want in response to culture. That's not appropriate for Christian ministry. It should not be difficult when we have the Bible, the Word of God that's been that's been given uh, for all time, for a church to say this is why we this is what we believe and this is what we practice. We practice this because we believe this, and we believe this because the Bible says it. Therefore, it doesn't change. You know, even even though obviously folks disagree about things, it should be that 
you know, churches don't shift their shift their doctrine back and forth. At least they shouldn't, and therefore they shouldn't be shifting their their uh, practice back and forth either. And yet, so many so many churches out there, because they're culturally responsive, they they like to keep those doors open, which again, it's not appropriate. And so, the, it is totally okay to 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 uh, drill down with a, your pastor or your church to say, okay, why why do we practice this this way? Can you you know? Do we have a doctrinal state? Can can you show me in our doctrinal statement? You, they, because they should have one. Um, can you show me in our doctrinal statement uh, how this vibes with what I just saw, um, and what you know what what you thought about this? Because one of two things is the case. Anytime you run across one of these issues that you have to bring up, um, either it's an it's an error, and you would say hey, our church teaches and preaches this. And this thing that you preached here, or this thing you said, or this song, or this this extra biblical material, uh, or whatever, is in contradiction to that. That concerns me. Or it's going to be you're you're going to uh, find out. You know, again, if they're if they're willing to drill down with you, and they should be, you're going to find out that oh, what what this church teaches, or what you teach, or what you believe is different from what I believe. Is different from what I believe, and then of course you have to take the next step. Is this a serious enough issue for me that um, I can't be, uh, in good conscience, a uh, faithful, loving, giving, serving member of this church? Because that 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 stuff can happen. Um, and and to the extent that we're not talking about a salvific issue, then then you know you can uh, agree to disagree and go to another church that is more in keeping with your beliefs and practices. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Even though your, you know, your pastor will likely be very sensitive to that. The idea is to get everything out in the open, where uh, motives are very clear and motives are biblical, and the the communication between one another is biblical. Um, I have disagreed with um, pretty much every pastor of every church I've ever been a part of um, on something. There's always been something. And, and again, it's not necessarily something major. And so that, that it can be determined at that point, um, hey, this is not, we're, we're not going to uh, be separating over this. I'm not going to go to another church. Um, but, hey, we, we, know, we know that we disagree on this. I'm always open to talking about it, always open to discussing it. Um, and, you know, to the extent, to the extent that it uh, um, informs our practice here, if, if I believe that our disagreement is leading us to uh, 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 heteropraxy, not practicing our faith in a biblical manner, well, that's sinful, and now we're talking about a different issue. So, I mean, this is, this is the process, but if your goal is to uh, maybe inform your pastor of something they're not aware of that's out there, and this happens all the time, of course, especially with folks that, um, that are blessed by this ministry, this happens, you know, you know, fairly regularly, um, or it's, it's just, it's something that, that was just spoken in error and you're just asking for clarification. That's where it starts. You know, my goal is not to embarrass you. My goal is not to, to, um, to rebuke you per se. It's to clarify. It's to figure out, did I hear what I thought I heard? And if I did, um, can you clarify where, you know, where it came from or perhaps, um, you know, did you know, did you know that this material was compromised in this way? Did you know that the chosen is a compromised, theologically compromised 
television series that we shouldn't be uncritically endorsing. And, and he might say, well, what are you talking about? I've seen it. And this is where it gets difficult. I've seen it, and I didn't see any problem with it. Then you got to get more specific. And, and again, with the idea that, you know, again, this is not, it's not, it's not a personal criticism, even though he will receive it as a personal criticism. And it is a personal criticism to a degree because you are challenging, um, challenging his discernment or you're challenging him missing something. Um, but it, 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 you know, again, doing it privately and, you know, bring your receipts, don't bring your emotions, bring your receipts. Um, this is the way, this is the process. And, Honestly, I can't promise you it will always go well. It, in fact, I can guarantee it will not always go well. And so you have to decide in that moment what's it worth to you. Um, you know, and, and let, the, let the Spirit lead you. Let the Spirit guide your conscience to say, um, this is something that annoys me. It's not, I may be the only one that saw it. Uh, and so it's not something that I'm going to, you know, don't bring every little tiny, you know, thing that you would have done differently or preached differently to your pastor. That's not the way to do it. You know, um, again, we're talking about somebody who you want to maintain a relationship with and who you want to still serve with in the same church. Um, make sure he knows as, as much, you know, encourage him when you can, um, as much as you can, um, tell him when something he's done and, and preached and taught has blessed you because he's, you know, He's, he's, if he's, if he's a good pastor, he's, he's laboring over that. He's concerned. He's nervous before he starts preaching that sermon on Sunday, that he's going to preach something wrong. Um, he's not going to, uh, fulfill the role that, um, that God has clearly, uh, placed him in. This is human nature. And so as much as you can encourage him, and tell him that, that he's a blessing and, and remind him that you're not going anywhere. You know, if, 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 and when disagreements come, um, that you will either, uh, brush those off. You'll, you'll, you'll forget them because they're not important or you'll bring them to him. Um, but that, that he's safe, uh, doing his work, um, with you in the congregation, with you as a, as a fellow, um, laborer. You know, keep, make sure he knows that. Make sure he knows that, that, yeah, I mean, we all disagree from time to time, but, but I'm committed to serving here with you. And, and not because it's him, per se, but that, that, that you will not be a malcontent who's going to stir up division needlessly. That you will, you will use Matthew 18 as your, as your general approach to everything because it's what Jesus said to do. And that, um, that you will have, you know, that, that you have, uh, the, the commitment level to approach him with an open Bible, like, and, and that you would expect the same from him, that it's not, you know, that, that he is not exempt from rebuke criticism, but he's also not exempt from love and support. So that's, that's, that's my best advice for how to approach, how to approach your pastor. If you have an issue, I know I'm you know, bounced all over the place a little bit. Hopefully you found the discussion edifying and helpful. Um, certainly share with me. I mean, if you've had, you know, success or failure stories with this on your own, um, I'd love to hear them. And I mean, let me know how it's, how it's been for you. If you've had great experiences, uh, um, 
with with a with a pastor of yours in this kind of situation where may maybe he didn't know you know he didn't know that uh um um you know that that the chosen was was a compromise here i mean just as an example um he didn't know that that you know teacher a or teacher b or teacher c was was no longer a solid recommendation and you brought it to him and he and he was humble and he appreciated that you brought it to him privately um, and he may not, he may not have even corrected it, you know, um, necessarily from the pulpit, but, but it changed. Like he, he no longer endorsed, um, you know, whatever he endorsed, you know, let me know if you've had those, those, those times as well, or even times where it's gone bad, um, you know, where, where he's, he's automatically assumed you're a malcontent and, and not for the unity of the church and, and whatnot. I mean, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to hear about it and see if, see what you think about my experiences and my advice with this. Um, thank you for listening to the bully pew podcast. I'm probably going to drop this podcast also in Patreon for those that uh, subscribe to protestia. And then, um, I, I would, it would, it would help me if you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast and enjoyed it. Um, and you're listening to it on Patreon, um, drop a comment or something in there and let me know if you want me to drop bully pew podcast in Patreon as well. I'm trying to be sensitive to everybody's time, and I know patron supporters may not necessarily want, um, you know, all David all the time going through that channel, you know, on on the Patreon, uh, on their Patreon feed. Um, but let me know, you know, I, of course I can put them up there, and you can, you know, say I don't have time for this as well. I mean, again, like I like I say all the time, everybody's only got 24 hours. You should probably be sleeping for at least a few of them. So that, that leaves you with uh, fewer hours to consume material and things like that. So um, anyway, thanks for listening and have a good uh, rest of the week here. Um, it is a sunny day in Denver, Colorado right now. So um, I'm going to try to try to get outside maybe a little bit and, and you know do some yard work and things if I can get to it. Who knows? You know how that goes. Uh, but anyway, have a good rest of the week. I'll talk to you later. Uh, as always, Semper Reformanda.